acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. Hey, we're back. Welcome to episode five of Bel Air, the official podcast. I am DJ Jazzy Jeff. And I'm Miles Gray. And I'm so glad to be back here with you, Jeff. Uh, I just watched the seventh episode of Bel Air. A lot is going on. We're starting to see, you know, Viv trying to regain her independence or capturing Uh her independence. We got Hillary pursuing her independence. A bit of a rocky road. What do you think overall? Listen, I was blown away. First of all, let's talk about... The Jazz and Hillary moment. I'm sorry to jump to that, but I didn't get a chance (laughs) to um, pursue Hillary on the original show. And this this was a little bit different, but it was packed full of stuff. Yeah, that's the explosive moment. We're going to get to that because trust me, as a a longtime fan, I have so many questions when I saw that. Especially for you, Jeff. And I'm glad that I get to ask them directly to you. So today we'll be talking about the themes of social media and food. Social media plays a huge part. Right. And it really affects the choices that a lot of the characters make. You know, that was a big point that Hillary had a a huge decision to make based off of a social media choice that she made. Right, exactly. So she's trying to make a career for herself through social media. She got in the content house. She's kind of getting the lay of the land. But in this episode, like you're saying, we also see that as she grows her career, she's kind of starting to lose control over the content that she's producing. And you hear Aunt Viv... She asks, you know, when she says, oh, and I get to live there for free. And she says, nothing's free. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. And I think she's starting to grapple with the fact that there is a give and take there. Jeff, how do you think this influence that social media really has 
kind of dictates what we're seeing in the show. It's like this invisible force that's helping move things along. Yeah, I mean, you know, going from Viv, who doesn't understand social media at all, she just thinks right. that Hillary is just on her phone, not realizing that this is a way that people conduct business today. Even Hillary in what she posts, she became so under the gun to post something that she made a decision that she kind of right. wasn't 100% sure, but someone took it and took it across the finish line without her knowledge. Right, exactly. And we're also going to be talking about the importance of food to the show and just how black food culture is so accurately depicted here. Even hearing times when like Viv would be like, and your famous crab cakes. I was like, I want to yes. know more. Yeah, about I want to know more crab about crab the crab cakes. <laughs> yeah. And I love too that like, you know, the food itself also gets camera time in this show. Other shows, typically you never see what characters eat. Yeah. And before we get to the interview, we have to talk about this episode, right? In episode seven, <laughs> we see Jazz and Hillary kissing, okay? Yes. Now, that is huge for huge. people like me who grew up on Fresh Prince and now have the <laughs> honor to sit across from DJ Jazzy Jeff, who I spent my youth watching, but like, will they, won't they? He's always pursuing Hillary, but she wants <laughs> nothing to do with him. And now they're feeling each other. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? I was a little jealous at first. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, sure. Jazz always had something for Hillary, but Hillary never showed it back. So, right. but I was also really happy because from a realistic point of view, they have a lot of interests. You have to kind of dig underneath the surface to understand, but they're more similar than right. you would think, which kind of really leads to them having somewhat of an attraction to make it possible. Right. And I got to ask, when you were shooting Fresh Prince, what was your relationship like with Karen Parsons, who played Hillary on Fresh Prince? Were you guys flirty or you were just like friends? What was it like <laughs> when they said cut? Listen, she's a beautiful human being. She actually helped me a lot. Me being someone that wasn't really trying to be on the show or right. had experience like that, she was one of the people that really kind of guided me through a lot of the scenes, especially the scenes with her. Right. Because it was weird because it's kind of like, I don't want to kiss you because I might <laughs> enjoy it. And right. that's weird. So right, she would right. kind of really guide you through a lot of those scenes and how to navigate really playing a role. So yeah, it was great. I was just mad that my character wasn't written in like that. I was angry earlier that my character didn't have a cool <laughs> car like Jazz. And right. now... You actually got Hillary, you know, so. And without further ado, we should just get into the uh, interview with today's guests. Who better to speak with today than mm. Coco Jones? Obviously has been in the game since she was a child. She is, you know, also a singer. She'll be putting out her latest single on Def Jam Recordings this month. She plays Hillary Banks, and she does it in her own way, and she does it mm -hmm. fantastically. And then we also got Jordan L. Jones, who plays jazz. Again, jazz local guy. He's from Inglewood. Comes from an acting tradition within his own family. I'm excited for this. This is a good one. I have to say, y'all have been in the acting for a minute, whether that's, you know, Coco, you've been on this since you were a child. Jordan, your mother is an actress, and you've been around the acting uh, industry and all that. What's it like for the two of you to basically come into one of the most, if not the most iconic Black families that's been on television and what was that experience like from the moment that you were like, I want to be on this show to then getting the call being like, I am Hillary and I am jazz respectively. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't really have the words to encompass how I feel 
when you're auditioning and you're going through that process and it's so many no's, you just kind of, in a way, like protect your heart. So when I read Bel Air, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is cute. But like, anyway, <laughs> and I had these thoughts like, I'm sure they're looking for a certain type of girl for this Hillary. Like, you just kind of keep going. Like, that's what I feel like the life of specifically an actor, but a lot of people is you just keep going and going and going. And then something stops you in your tracks. And so when I was getting closer to booking Bel Air, you know, you kind of like get your hopes up, but you try not to do that. So you get invested in the project and then you start thinking, man, life could be like this if I book this. Oh my gosh, you know, da 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 da. And then <laughs> <Right>. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to fly away. Right, right, I'm about to be up. When I found out that I got it, I knew what that represented to be a dark skinned version of Hillary. So I felt, of course, excited and honored, but um, I really was like, okay, the representation that I'm about to create here is going to help the next girl who looks like me. So I want to make sure that I do this to the best of my ability. Like, it's go time, you know? I think Coco Lily said that perfectly. I think in this business, uh, I call it the profession of no. This is the profession where the majority of the time you get a lot of no's and it has nothing to do with your talent or any of that. It's just... I guess the project wasn't for you or whatever it may be. It's when I did get it, man, it was, I just don't even have the words. I actually didn't think I I got it because when I did the audition, Morgan, he did not ask me any questions. Uh, Usually directors and stuff ask you like, okay, do it this way just to see if you're easily coachable or like a good person at all (laughs) before he works with you, you know? He was just like, okay, next scene. Okay, next scene. And then so I called my mom right after and I said, I didn't get it. And she was like, what did you, did you, did you mess up? And I was like, no, nah, I didn't mess up. But he didn't ask me much. So I thought he was just trying to move me out the way. And then I got the call for testing and then I got the job. And then we had lunch on the first day of shooting. He was like, how'd you feel when you got it? And I was like, well, first of all, I didn't think I got it at all because you didn't say a word. And he was like, man, just when you came on screen, I just knew it was you. And that was such a, a good feeling to hear too. And and also just a, a testament to like in this profession, like you don't know when you go get something and when you don't, that's why you don't attach yourself. Right. But now actually in it and I get to be, you know, jazz. I mean, this is iconic. I mean, I've already told uh, yeah. Jazzy Jeff, I already told him like, man, this is, <laughs> this is so crazy, dog. I was like, I didn't even really know what to say to him the first time I met him. I was like, yeah. well, I, don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you, honestly, right now. Just, just yeah. thank you. Being able to, to play this role and bring everything that you brought plus you know my own spin has just been a blessing and a privilege and i'm just grateful that you know god put me in this position and god gave me this and the two of you are pulling off these roles so well and doing it in such a unique way Uh, that there's not even room for anybody to begin to compare y'all to karen parsons or jazzy jeff because y'all are in your own lane but it's also really familiar and i think that's what's really so great about this new iteration of the show talking about parallels right between fresh prince and now with bel-air you know we see the two of y'all interact in episode four while the family's out canvassing and we see some sparks you know but we don't know Ooh. quite yet as a fan i was like oh oh no okay Talk about it uh, i like that <laughs> and we'll get to that but uh, that was my first inkling i said okay there's some rhythm right there i like that but we also kind of see how different the two of you are as it relates to social media like coco you're out here being like you know, well, how many followers do you have on your Instagram? <laughs> and Jazz is like, what's Instagram? So my question to you is, you know, Coco, how much of your actual life do you draw on to play Hillary, who's constantly on her phone, constantly checking social? Mm. And Jordan, how do you even approach somebody? Because I saw, you know, it was your birthday recently. I saw the turn up on your Instagram well, yeah. stories. Well, yeah. I know you're, I know you're on the yeah, Instagram. Yeah. I, I said the Instagram. Like, I'm yeah, really I old. Wow. Uh, but how do you even get in the mindset to play somebody like Jazz, who's like, Instagram what? Huh? 
I would say I'm similar to Hillary in the fact that I know how much business goes on through social media. I mean, it's marketing, it's it's advertisement. So there is gravity to it and there's an importance to it that is constantly growing. With my platform, I try to constantly be engaging my fan base and I do hold myself accountable for like the followers I have and the posts that I have and you know, I'm trying to be as consistent as possible because I've gotten a lot of opportunities just from social media and specifically from TikTok and singing covers and things like that, that have introduced me to people that I couldn't reach out to on my own. Social media is a huge world. And how I think I'm different from Hillary is that I'm not always on my phone because sometimes it's just too much. You just want to like be in the moment and be present and not be worried about who liked what or who commented anything of that nature. But I do know that it's a part of business. So I think me and Hillary are similar in the fact that we are trying to create an empire and trying to create a fan base that can't be taken away from us. And social media is a huge catalyst for that. I think that my character is different than kind of who I am in life. Like not the way that I act. I feel like it's very natural on screen, but when it comes to like the social media aspect, because I am on social media a lot. I would say that I have two friends who don't have Instagram at all. And I'll say that they're extremely happy with their lives. (laughs) <laughs> so I kind of take that in certain scenes we do when we're talking about those kind of things and I kind of take like their perspective on social media and I feel like they're just more present. It is what it is because it's 2022 and social media, everybody got it. So like mm-hmm. you can't tell nobody they're not being present because you probably on Instagram too. Okay, so I'm going to be the person to bring this up because <laughs> this directly affected me. In this episode, Jazz and Hillary Kiss. <laughs> In the original mm. episode, I didn't get that. <laughs> they didn't write that in. When I saw it, my heart skipped a little beat because I was kind of like, wow, wow. Like, y'all changed everything. <laughs> so the only time that I really got a chance to kiss Hillary was in a nightmare that Will had. Right. But I'm curious, like, why was the decision made for it to be mutual? Because mine, I threw it out there and... Karen threw it in the trash. Right. But y'all went there. And I'm just curious, what was the decision, you know, this time around for you guys to almost go down that road? I didn't write the thing. You know? I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't write it. You know, that's just what I, I read. It was like, I was like, no, okay, let's do it. <laughs> but if I were to try to guess, I think what's so great about Morgan is he can take all these iconic characters. And Jabari says this all the, all the time. It's like, if you took all those iconic characters and like went through their journals, like their real life journals and the stuff that they go through and just mm-hmm. peeling certain layers back. So in peeling layers back, you're not going to see certain things that happened in the first one, obviously. And it's also like a dramatic retelling. So it's drama. So what he wanted to do, I believe really is, is change a lot of things that happened because he didn't want to keep it exactly the same. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. There's, there's no way to redo the the original Fresh Prince. I mean, like, I keep saying that, but I mean, it, dude, if we did a sitcom, bro, I would be shot in the street. Would, oh, my gosh. Would, that would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I know, I know. Oh, my I gosh. Mean. But also, too, because these are like the grounded versions of these characters, I think with Hillary and with Jazz, there's such like a yin and yang thing. Jazz is like mm. from the real world, from the gutter. Like, he created all of this stuff on his own. And Hillary's on social media all the time. So all she's seeing is like, these preposterous images of people. So I think like there's a natural chemistry in their storylines because this is the grounded version of these characters. And I think even speaking to myself, it's a breath of fresh air when you know none of that. Like, let's not talk about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I hear about that all the time. 
And so I think like it makes for the perfect kind of synergy when they both have something that the other one needs and they don't they don't necessarily know that they need that. But that's with all great relationships. You kind of are like surprised by the perfect balance that you have with the other person. Yeah. I'm still jealous. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. When you started kissing, I was just like, yo, we yeah, done it. Yeah. We did it, y'all. We did oh my it. Gosh. I just pushed pause and went and got some juice because I was just like, uh uh-uh, uh, not the juice. I'm not a little mad. Right he said, he said, I need to calm down. He said, I need a cup of juice. <laughs> That's what's really dope about this relationship, right? You talk about how you kind of complete each other, that there are parts of each other that the other, you know, excels at. And you really see this like in this moment, right, where Hillary is obviously not liking how Kylo is taking her content and recontextualizing it for clicks. There's this moment where the two of you connect because Jazz is out here saying like, hey, I got your back. If this is what you want to do to, you know, to stand up for yourself, I have your back 100%. There he is right there. Okay, let me do all the talking. All right, if shit go left, you know I got your back. Yeah. Hillary Banks, what a pleasant surprise. Don't do that, Kylo. I've been blowing your phone up all day, and I want that post removed now. Look, I know you're upset, but it genuinely was never my intention to be disrespectful. <laughs> I, I was juicing the algorithm, and honestly, people are loving the thirsty chef. I don't think she need that type of love. And when you go to confront Kylo, you know, we're left with this moment that I think this is, you know, very, very real, which is something that I think most, if not all women have to navigate in media, which is kind of thinking, do I need to emphasize my sexuality? Do I need to lead with that? Or is it more important to me to decouple my sexuality from who I am so I can thrive for being the human being that I am? I was talking to some bigwigs earlier from Victoria's Secret, and they were asking if I could make an introduction. I could do that now, but it's, it's no pressure. Man, would you just take the damn video down? All right. Actually, it wouldn't hurt to hear what they have to say, but just make it quick, Kylo, okay? Yes, ma'am. And Jazz, you can still get us those drinks. I'll be right back. And there's a little bit of tension. How was that sort of playing that scene out for the two of you and kind of even your own perspectives on that scene? Because I thought that was really powerful. There's always this battle as a woman in the entertainment industry of like, why did they choose me for this? Why am I up for this role? You know, how much of it is talent? How much of it is physical body image is such a huge issue in the world, not just in the entertainment industry, but in young girls of all ages, comparing themselves is something that you're, you do from jump, you know? I think with Hillary and this storyline, she's chasing the wrong things in a sense. Like what I think what she really wants is a sense of control. And so the way she's trying to get that, she's not necessarily sure how she's going to navigate that And I feel like I've had, of course, those same options and those same opportunities where like this could put you on, but you're going to have to show a little little more. You're going to have to do a little more. And for me, I feel like there's power in both choices. But what is authentic to me, knowing how long I want to be in this industry is like, I don't want to give what I don't feel like people earn. People don't know me necessarily. Mm. You know, they don't know Mm, my exact story. They know me at the top. And so for me, I feel like I'll share whatever it is that I want to share that I feel like is fair. 
I just don't think that people have earned that from me. You know, like right. mm. these are personal choices that I feel like every woman gets to make. But it is rocky sometimes to navigate, especially when a lot of opportunities are tied to you being sexual or being a sex symbol in some sort of way. But I do think there's power in every choice. But I think like Hillary and her journey, it's about like sometimes it's about going those wrong ways. So, you know where you're actually meant to be. That's just about learning, you know? Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, in this day and age of social media, there's like a lot of pressure, obviously, what Coco just tapped on. Just, you know, everything being so sexualized. And, of course, there's incentive. And I I don't want to go deep like that. It's about, like, don't sell your soul. It's not that deep. But at the same time, even me, like, in social media, like, I've gotten opportunities to do certain stuff. I get free clothes. Like, I'm like, I need to be on this doing my thing. But at the same time, it's, it's a thin line between, like, doing stuff it's not about doing stuff that you don't want, but like doing stuff that you're actually uncomfortable with for a bag per se, or just any type of incentive. I mean, like in in the episode, you see, you know, Hillary's like, okay, let's go. And I'm about to tell this dude off. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's go talk to him. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. <laughs> and then in the moment when it happens and he's, you know, selling her these dreams and like, dude, your followers look crazy like this. They love this. They want to see you next week. Do this. Hearing all that, being in front of the person who can give you an opportunity that you don't, you know what I'm saying, necessarily, you know, you don't necessarily want to turn it down. So she has that moment where it's like, well, let me just kind of see what it's like, you know, let me just see. And I feel like that was a very realistic scene. I feel like it was. And and it had nothing to do with like, oh, her being a mean person or anything like that or her not valuing herself. I didn't think it was that deep. I just felt that it's like, yo, I just don't know what this road you know, how this road is going to take me. And I've seen people take this road to be successful, but like, I'm not them. I'm not those people, but I don't know if I'm not that person yet until I try it, you know? So let me just go and try and see what it is. And, you know, she ends up coming around. It's crazy because watching how the way Viv had to navigate wanting to paint and putting that on the back burner, you know, more so because of the family, it's different that Hillary has an unwillingness to compromise. How much do you think that that has to do with social media not being around for Viv and her decision? I think what Viv is trying to do with Hillary is see her succeed in the ways that she has imagined our success. But what she doesn't understand is that she can be just as successful what Viv and Phil did for their kids was they they hustled and they struggled so that it would be easier for them. And in a way, right. it mm-hmm. is easier for them. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. all of us go through our own journeys of difficulty, but it is easier for us. And I think in this day and age, a lot more people are waking up to the normal and deciding whether or not they want that. Like there, there's more options nowadays. There's more right. options to what actually can be success. So of course, I think it is a generational thing, but I also, I really think it's more of a lack of understanding. I think if Viv had more of an open mind to sources of income and, and monetization, revenue, sponsored content, like all these things, which are actually business models for a lot of companies that we know and love, I think she'd be a lot more Mm -hmm. open, but it looks like she's just on her phone posting on social media platforms. So there's like a disconnect there that I feel like, of course, it's generational, but that can always be broken. It's just about understanding. And I'm curious too, like Hillary, 
Coco, you've been really outspoken on social media about like the racism, colorism that you've experienced in your career. And you've also, again, you built yourself a platform. Like you said, you're trying to build an empire like Hillary. I know how you said how important it was to you to be a darker skinned version of Hillary, what that means for, you know, having other little girls who look like you say, oh, look, I, I see myself on television. You spoke a little bit about how much you interact with social media, but how much of a process was it for you to think, okay, I'm different from this character in this ways. Also, I know, you know, you've spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, but how did you kind of begin to sort of mold yourself into the version of Hillary that, sh that we're seeing on Bel Air? The version of Hillary that you're seeing on Bel Air is pretty, pretty similar to me. I mean, I've had conversations with Morgan Cooper, our director, that made me even more of myself as this character. The only difference is she be talking to her mom a little crazy. And I'm from the South and we don't do that. But um, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> Hillary, she's, um, she's just a go-getter. She has so much tenacity to push through all these obstacles. I mean, I know how hard it was for me in this entertainment industry and I have my parents' support. So if my parents weren't right. sure either, I probably wouldn't gave up. It's just too hard. Mm. So, I mean, I didn't really have to put on any type of air Except, <laughs> okay, yeah, she does come from like upper echelon, so she is a little more bougie. But I mean, when I'm wearing the clothes and I got the ice on and I got the bags and the purses and the heels, it just it just flows out of me. It just flows and pours out of me. <laughs> now I got a question for Jordan. You kind of referred to jazz as the wisdom for Will, like especially in the beginning. You know, you gave him some really sound advice when y'all were overlooking the city, and I saw that you kind of did that for Hillary with the the thirsty chef thing that you would just like, listen, don't sell yourself. How do you approach jazz, how he's different from the original role? You kind of told me this really. Number one, just to not worry about what you did. You know, the lines and you know, the storyline is different. Everything that I'm bringing to it is you're like, it's perfect. So like, just keep doing you and don't think too much. I think when those sentimental or like, you know, wisdom scenes if you want to call it when i say those i don't want to say i have to tap in but like i'm a really like comedic guy like i'm always playing around like you know i like a lot like i actually, like, <laughs> I actually don't ever turn off of course we're always in the scene but like you know we get the script and i'm looking at the words and i'm saying okay like this is really a moment so like make sure you like you make it a moment mm. like this is something that you're actually about to say something profound and actually do it you know don't don't water it down don't, in a way i don't want to be boxed in yeah you know what i'm saying that's why i look up to Will Smith like that because it's like, okay, he can do comedy and then he can do really serious stuff and he can do impersonations, he can, you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what I want my trajectory in my career to be, uh, just to not be boxed in, you know? So I made like a conscious choice to not always be funny like that and be just more mm -hmm. like matter of fact and, you know, really help the people that I care about in the show, you know, Will, Hillary, like really try to help them out and give them some sound advice because I care about them and I think that, um, there was a couple ways to go about that, but I think me just figuring out what I wanted to be and the scenes where I could be really funny and then scenes where I'm like, hey, man, seriously. And uh, I'm just thankful that they give me kind of like the the reign to do that. I hate to switch gears, but I haven't had lunch and I'm hungry. <laughs> and the, 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 the food on the show, oh I'm constantly gosh. looking it's at this. OD. I can't handle it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, yo, what is going on? I love how 
Yo, Hillary somehow pulling off magic tricks, being like, yeah, yeah, I got a whole <laughs> catered dinner in three hours. Yeah, yeah, say yeah, less, yeah. say okay. less. <laughs> Hello, Bel Air princess, to the rescue. Oh my God, thank you so much. Of oh. course, mom, you know I loved Auntie Gail, and you know how I do with Cajun. So I was thinking gumbo, we could do some wild rice, some mini cornbread with the honey butter. Oh, and we could get the bartenders to make hurricanes for everybody. Sounds like someone's on it. Okay, yeah, that sounds amazing, but uh, I mean, that sounds like a lot to prepare. I mean, the event starts in just a few hours. Okay, mom, can you just trust me? You do your thing, let me do mine. I got this. So whether it's like, you know, the scene where you're preparing the food for the, the Hope Cuisine interview, for the fundraiser, all of that, we see such an, like, food plays such a central role in this series. I just have to know, like, how is this food being made? <laughs> Who's behind the food? How do y'all eat it? Just tell me all about the exactly. food routine just from your perspective really quick. Because um, it is so good. And, it's, and I'm like... They're doing black food right on this show, so I have to know what well, is going on. I'm getting up at 5 a.m., getting my hair and makeup done, learning my script, and I'm cooking the food, and then I'm prepping it, and then we start scenes, and we film for 12 hours, and I'm remaking food every 12 hours just to make sure that it looks good. You know I'm not over there cooking that food. I don't have the time. I do not have the time. I'm literally... And everyone knows yeah. that I'm always leaving set and going straight to a studio, so nine times out of ten... By the time I get up, I only set for a couple hours. So, no, I'm not making that food as well as learning these lines <laughs> and getting my hair makeup done and wearing them heels all day. No. Um, <laughs> but, no, the show, they do a great job of being strategic with the recipes and keeping the culture involved as well. I wish I could say that I was over there cooking it all. I do know how to cook. I mean, you've, you've seen a little bit of my terrestrial show. I do a little mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not mad at all. Yeah, that's I'm like, well, hold on, let me check. Let me trust them verify. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, of course, they're, they're props because they have to look a certain way each take. For sure. That's a whole team running that. But I'm glad it looks effortless. Food is such a cornerstone of black culture. You know, like my mm-hmm. love language is cooking. And I learned that oh. from my grandmother because yes. that's how Ooh, she showed too. her love. Aww. I saw so much food come out that kitchen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she wasn't the best with words, but I knew based on the food that I'm like, I'm love. <laughs> my grandfather. <laughs> my granny loved me. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm good. She I'm like, look at me. Hocks. Exactly. I just have a barbecue <laughs> sauce all over my face. My grandfather had a rib shop on Slauson. Wow. And oh my gosh. it was always like food and family has always been a huge connection for me especially as it relates to, to black culture so i just i'm can you talk about the emphasis and like the real celebration of like black food culture that we see on the show mm. for hillary too it does kind of inform the way she has to fight to keep her recipes authentic because there is mm-hmm. this theme throughout the show about being unapologetically black you know like not don't cower in the face of being you know different or you know what had been the normal or de facto way of going through life you know prior to this or prior to this modern era tell me just how that all kind of factors in because i feel like food plays such a more important role than me just getting hungry when i'm watching i mean yes of course in black culture you want to feel connected and i think that food is one of the ways that hillary connects you know when she was talking about how <laughs> they wanted to take her spice mix out of her ingredients, out of her mm-hmm. recipes. Yeah. Like, these like are the what? things that she learned from her grandma. And I know me being from the South, I've learned recipes from my grandma that have history attached to them. This is yeah. why we eat this, you know? Like, there's there's lessons attached to it. And so I think, of course, it's a, a beautiful, unapologetically Black show. And I think Hillary, maybe being in this zip code where she doesn't see a lot of people who look like her, maybe this is how she stays tapped in. Maybe it's like, a part of her feeling like she she still is black, you know, that that is who she is. It's in her core. Right. 
And um, it's unchangeable and it doesn't need to be changed because there's so much history and culture attached. Black excellence is a big theme in our show. So when it comes to like the music in our show, which is great, or like even the scene with Aunt Viv and Ashley and she's like braiding her hair and they just yeah, like kind of right. get a couple close-ups on that, you know, just there's no reason why we actually need to do that besides like, hey, this is the black experience. Right. So, you know, when mama's is talking to daughters and sometimes it's during a braid session, you know? <laughs> And uh, people, you know, especially black people can relate to that. And then obviously, as we're talking about, you know, the food, I mean, the fact that, you know, when you did uh, your food interview, uh, Coco, mm -hmm. and, you know, you're doing shrimp po' boys, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's <laughs> like that's one of my favorite foods, but like, mm -hmm. same time, like, you probably wouldn't do that, you know what I'm saying? You know, in this, in this kind of like, this interview, and, you know, with these white people, you knowing that they're going to be white, but you're like, no, nah, I'm going to get a little shrimp po' boy. That was good as an audience for black people to be like, how do they not go like the spice mix? Right, exactly. I just think that that all ties in to this black excellence. And I, actually, that scene made me mad. And they were like, yeah, we're going to have to ask you to tone it down oh, yeah. on your recipes. Oh, like, okay, or, I, or I can sock you in the mouth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know hold on. Saying? Yeah. I was I'm like, like, literally, I was like, oh, no, they did not. There's so many moments like that that are just small moments that I think for especially for black audiences can connect to and say, okay, now I'm seeing little things on TV that I feel like I can completely 100% relate to. And I think, again, it serves to bring audiences closer and for other people who might, you know, have the unfortunate destiny to, to be living outside of the black experience to kind of see a little bit uh, of how nice it is about the life and, and how vibrant and, you know, flavorful. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask Jordan, first of all, you have to understand how much I loved when I saw that you were the owner of a record store. You know, oh. I was kind of like, all right, that's cool. And then you were, you know, Buddy came in the store. You kind of yeah. hooked him up because yeah. he was going in the studio. And that was so authentic to me. How much of a music lover are you? Honestly. I am a huge, huge music lover. That's good. <laughs> is that with the eight silent or is that huge? <laughs> I'm a huge music lover, but I, but I'll be honest, I had to kind of tap into the music that I'm talking about on the show. Okay. So of course I know okay. I know Tribe, you know, but yep. I wasn't really privy to uh, like Africa mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. Nyak Mura. Of course, we all know Burner Boy, but you know, honestly, Coco's gonna kill me for this. I listened to Drake, okay? You know what? I wasn't gonna say <laughs> I nothing. Listened to Drake. I wasn't gonna say nothing, but I was like, hey, if this man bring up Drake, Drake, <laughs> I listen to Drake. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little younger, so it's like I listen to Drake, little baby, money bag, yo. You know, Drake is like the starter kit of music. Oh my god, I'm crying. Is he not? The I mean, goat listen, though? I'm not mad know? at Drake, but Drake is the starter kit. That's kind of like. All right, my first intro to music, I'm going with Drake. Fair. I mean, fair. You know, I'm, I'm not a mad. Kendrick fan, J. Cole fan, you know, the huge fans. Coco, what about you? What's your music taste like? Well, for me, I grew up listening to some powerhouse singers like Aretha Franklin, CeCe Wyman's, Shaka Khan. My, basically, I learned music from my mom because I would be going into these auditions and she'd be like, all right, you need to sing this. And I'd be like, ooh, okay. And she was like, hey, if you can sing these songs, you can sing anything. You know, Mariah Carey, Jennifer real, Hudson. So I was listening to the real soulful women with them high notes. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, as I got older, I would say, honestly, when you do the whole Disney Channel thing, 
you kind of on the social spectrum, you're a little, you're a little back. You know, you got to catch up to what right. everyone around because all of your peers are. We're like these young workers. You know, we we know what's right. in our environment. Like we don't go to real school for the most part. Um, so you mm-hmm. know, you kind of have to catch up. So I think probably right. when I was more like 18 and moved out here is when I was more into like the weekend party next door and Drake and you know, people of that nature. But um, I grew up listening to the powerhouse singers. History amen, right there. Amen. Good foundation. Good music <laughs> foundation. For sure. Hey, brought me here. All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining Jeff and I to talk oh, about the show. Oh, it's over. I want to be here for six hours. I know. I know. I know. We could have <laughs> traded recipes and album yes. recommendations and all that. <laughs> Gordon L. Jones, who plays jazz, and Coco Jones playing Hillary Banks. Thank you again so much for showing up and giving us some insight into the show. We really appreciate you. Thank, well, thank you, guys. I'm so glad we spoke to them. They have such good energy. Real life chemistry. They have great on-screen chemistry. It was pleasant. I'm glad to see that, that, you know, you kept it together. There were no hard feelings about where they decided to take the show. You handled it like a very mature adult. Uh, We expect nothing less. (laughs) So next week, we're going to be talking about the themes of fatherhood and family with Jabari Banks, who plays Will, and Cassandra Freeman, who plays Aunt Viv. Yeah, yeah. And check out the next episode of Bel Air Streaming on Peacock next Thursday, and come back to the podcast every Friday to hear more. Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. This show is hosted by me, DJ Jazzy Jeff. And me, Miles Gray. Supervising producer, Mike Coscarelli. Producer and mastering engineer, Vahid Frazier. Executive producers from iHeart are Nikki Etor, Anna Stumpf, and Miles Gray. Executive producers from Peacock are Lindsay Vogelman, Amber Ferguson. And special thanks to Will Pearson from iHeart and Michael Scoggin from Peacock. 